What do you know about that, man? <laughs> That was pretty fun. <laughs> I'll tell you about it. Now let's go ahead and get the podcast started. All right. I'm Chase Winnegar, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, co-host. I hope everyone's having a great day. And today's guest, David Baker. Glad to be back. Yeah, you've been here before. What's yeah. you, so you're a fisheries we biologist. appreciate you lying. That's awful kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dave, David Baker, fisheries biologist. Yeah, I work in the uh, Central Fisheries District, so I'm one of, one of seven districts throughout the state, so... I got kind of the central and northern part of the state, kind of Lexington, Louisville, northern Kentucky area. Yeah, Shelby County, Spencer County, Franklin County, Jefferson County. Uh, I'd have to look at the map. It's on the website if somebody wanted to see. But, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, look us up. So you're working a lot of the lakes that myself and Lee like to, to go fish. You've yes. got all the info. And just now, I've before the podcast got started, you guys were going back and forth, and mm -hmm. Lee was taking notes about where to go fishing for what. So mm -hmm. a lot of good info there. Yes. But Lee, you asked where we were going today, mm -hmm. and we're just going to go farm pond fishing. All good. Yeah. I went out yesterday. Well, this is a great time when it's muddy in March, you know. I love farm ponds early. I mean, there's no better time to go fish a farm pond than this time of year. Oh, for a big one. Fe February, March, early April. And it works out perfect because about the time that the farm ponds start slowing down a little bit is when I want to be out there hitting other bodies of water, yep. catching other fish. But... Sunday, I went fishing at this farm pond and got absolutely skunked. And then yesterday, after we'd had a, one or two warmer days, I went back and I caught two five-pound fish. So, you know, we're just going to basically go shoot a segment talking about what to look for because there's a specific bank with a specific depth on the specific side of the pond. You know, you're looking for where the sun's hitting, what's going to warm up the quickest, things like that, and just talk about how to identify those spots and what techniques to use. And hopefully we catch two or three good fish and call what it a day. throw? I'll, I'll be running a camera, but mm. Chad, he really likes uh, chatter baits and spinner baits, slow rolled early. Yeah. I'm getting more turned on to chatter baits. I know they've been yeah. around forever. I just never worked my way around to them. Some of my bigger fish are caught this time of year, um, and that's my favorite bait to throw. Chatter bait. Chatter bait and a big spinner bait. Just the main thing is you want to be on the sunny side, mm -hmm. yep. those south facing banks. Exactly. That's exactly what we're doing. Because we were out on the lake uh, this week, and the water's muddy. Of course, it's soaking up a lot of heat. We've actually yep. finally got some sun. Yeah. And the water on the sunny side is running a couple degrees warmer than the shady side, and, and that's where the fish are. Oh, those be fish at. can tell a big difference. you got to think when you're a cold-blooded animal, just one or two degrees is all it takes to make all the difference in the world. I could tell the difference in the boat between the shady side and the sunny side. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be on the sunny side. Yeah, so you know the fish do. Absolutely. So that's what we're doing. I've been fishing the north side of a, a pond. The north side gets all the sun, and there's a, kind of a mud flat that extends out and gives shallow water for about 10 or 15 feet out, and those fish just stack up on that mud flat on that sunny side of the pond. Do you use a trailer much with your chatterbait or are you fishing naked? No, I, I put a little trailer on mine. Typically it's a little swim bait trailer, a split tail trailer. Okay, I've got some, I bought some split yeah, tails. Typically that's what I put on mine. We, Just the, a little something. And a swim, a swim bait makes a good trailer. Mm -hmm. The biggest bass we've caught on the show so far came last year and it was seven and a, 7.15 I think what is what it? it weighed. It was at a... Is that a pond too? It was a, I would call it a small lake. Okay. Is that the kayak one? Yeah. Yeah. And that was caught on a chatterbait. And Chad loves the chatterbait this early. And I, I like the vibration. I like how when I'm bringing it through the water nice and slow. <laughs> you I can, can feel that. But when it yeah. stops, you know, smacking. Well, and or you're hung on a log. The, <laughs> the thing about it is, is we've had so much rain. A lot of our lakes are really, really muddy still. They ain't cleared up yet. So I think they can find that thump of that, you yeah. know, vibrating jig. So. That makes perfect sense. The only problem is where we'll be going today, there's quite a bit of moss. Yeah. So... That's why I kind of suggested something Texas rigged or weedless, Tim. So, mm -hmm. yeah, he he can throw a chatterbait if he wants. He might decide he doesn't like it anymore after two or three casts. <laughs> That's what happened to me the other day. But it's also why I like the bigger, if I am going to Texas rig a soft plastic, I like 10-inch worms, big ribbon tails, something that itself is going to have a presence in the water instead of throwing like a four or five-inch or a, mm -hmm. a straight, you know, a stick worm. I like the ribbon tails. and. Stuff that kind and of puts the boot off. tails like those cut tail worms and the yeah. boot tails I like. I'll tell you what a brush hog would be fine mm -hmm. right now. Something with you know arms you and know, legs. And something and that people hardly ever talk about. It's kinda of like the tube. 
a good old lizard. Oh, I love lizards. I love lizards. There, Hardly when, ever, is, anybody ever talks about lizards anymore. No, I love a, them. There's a specific time of the year where a lizard is uh, what just, I, I mean, it'll crush it's, everything. It's when they're on the nest. I was going to say, it's when they're going on the bed. Yeah, when they're on the bed, you can, I mean, especially if you can see the fish. Like, there's a lot of times you can see one, you know, five or six feet off the bank sitting there on a nest. You just put that lizard in that nest and you just twitch it around a little bit and eventually Bam. that fish is going to get fed up with it. <clears throat> but, you know... I will say I, I release all those fish, and I don't keep largemouth anyway. Nothing against it. Heck, we kept a lot of them when I was younger. My dad loved putting a largemouth. Well, my mouth granddad, in. my God, he thought you were an idiot if you released fish that oh. you could eat. That's he, why you were out there oh, <laughs> to get hey, food. Heck, we got lakes that we're trying to get people to harvest bass on these slot limits. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we actually got some lakes that we need that. So, and the smaller bass taste better. Yeah, the smaller largemouth. So there is a time and a place that we do need to do it. But yeah, I think most people kind of like it's a. It's the cardinal sin if you keep a bass. Oh, well, yeah, that's how it goes with us. If we're sharing fish pictures, I'll send my dad a picture of a fish or something. It's always me holding it, and he'll send me pictures of his fish, and it's always a big stringer. Of <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, so. Hey, like the late Ted Carl used to say, it's not a sin to keep a fish. That's why we have regulations. That's so, why we go to all this trouble. So when you yeah. say that we're trying to get people to keep them on certain lakes, give me an example. Uh, like Elmer Davis Lake, yeah. we got a 12 to 15-inch slot limit, so... The reason for the slot limit, Cave Run's another good example of that, is that we have tons and tons of reproduction that re- that that recruit to the population. Well, if you get too many of the little guys and there's too much competition for that food, well then they don't have enough resources to continue to grow and be in good shape. So you thin those numbers down a little bit and the ones that are left actually move through, they get become your twelve to fifteens, your fifteen pluses. Mm-hmm. Plus, too, they're in the little. They're, everybody likes to catch fat fish, not a long skinny fish. Yeah. So that's kind of the point too. Okay. So it's 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 a it's a game of numbers. Yeah. So so it is kind of like a you know the fishing community. A lot of people look at it as a horrible thing to ever keep a, a bass. But I mean, on some farm ponds, some smaller bodies of water, we're you need to trying to, and that's the same for some of our smaller lakes. Probably for our small lakes and ponds, especially ponds, that's probably the number one issue we run into dealing with people. They won't keep the, fish. They won't keep fish. The bass reproduction is excessive for the pond uh-huh. and they're like man we can't catch a fish over 12 inches they're all 8 to 11 yep. inches we got nice bluegill but we want nice bass yeah the only way to fix it you got to start harvesting thin in the herd i mm-hmm. will say that the better you know farm pond's kind of nice to it's it's like a small experiment you know it's easier to tell what's going on in a farm pond than yes. it is a huge lake and the farm ponds that i do catch big trophy fish in are the ones where I might have to work an hour for a bite. Yeah. And I'm not catching a bunch of 10 and 12 inch fish. But the ones where it seems like I'm catching a, a fish every three or four casts, you know, and they're always 10 or 12 inches. Yep. If I ever pull something over four pounds out of there, I'm kind of surprised by it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so there's definitely, it's like. It's a give and take. You got to decide what's right for you. I can't remember who it was, but one of the biologists, I don't know if it was you, David, or if it was Crosby or who, but somebody explained the whole biomass and holding capacity of a, of a body of water to me one time. Right. And it's basically a body of water can support X number of pounds mm-hmm. of life, right? That's right. So basically you have, let's just say for a given pond, it's a thousand pounds of life that this pond can support. Now you have your choice of either having 205 pound bass or, or a thousand one pound bass, you mm-hmm. know? So that's kind of how it works. That's the logic, yeah, very. That's a kind of a dumbed that, down it's, version. It's kind of dumbed down in a nutshell, yeah. but yeah. Again, it's a you got to sacrifice numbers sometime for quality. Um, it's not a, not any different concept than people that are trying to thin the deer herd on their property to grow a better quality buck. Mm-hmm. They take the smaller bucks, leave the bigger bucks. You yeah. know, you're, it's again, you're just you're manipulating that population to do it, what you want with it. And in deer, it's taking does too. Mm-hmm. Taking, yeah. taking does gives you bigger bucks. Yeah, so, that, that's something that we had explained to us really well last fall. Well, Ted used to explain, and I don't know why I'm on Ted, but, you know, but he used to say people, say they go to a lake and they have a poor experience, mm-hmm. we need to stock more fish. But he's mm-hmm. like, you know, Lee, if a glass holds 12 ounces, it only holds 12 ounces. That's all it'll ever you do. You can keep pouring water on top of the 12 mm-hmm. ounces, but you're never going to get more than 12 ounces of water in that glass. And he says lakes are the same way. They can only hold so much biomass, and we try to manipulate it for the best result we can. But stocking more fish on our Crowded Lake doesn't do anything. Sometimes actually stalking in a lot of situations actually causes a bigger problem than problem fixes. Is. Yes, exactly. And I know we, we go People into... People don't want to hear that, though. But. We go into some of our lakes that we help different c- cities with and whatnot, and they'll be like, man, this lake gets fished to death. 
we need to stock it. There can't be nothing left. And then we go in and do a survey and show them what, what's actually in there, and they're blown away. Yeah. And it's like stocking is not, you know, they're here. And it's doing, it's are, doing yeah. you just got educated fish. I was going to say, these fish are smart. <laughs> these are educated fish. They're hard to catch. You know, they know each new model of Rapala shad wrap that comes out. You know, we had our spring fishing question, question and answer show not long ago. We had Jeff Ross and Jeff Crosby on. And um, one of the, we kept getting questions about stocking. Everybody wanted mm -hmm. to know stock, stock, mm -hmm. stock. And eventually, after five or six questions about stocking, Chad made a really good point. He's like, you know, everybody wants to know about stocking, but he uh, turned the conversation to our, the habitat work we're doing um, for spawning habitat and things like that. And he basically made the point that no amount of stocking is ever gonna be able to do what the habitat work does because mm -hmm. natural reproduction. You know, mm -hmm. if you're thinking about one largemouth bass, how many eggs can a female largemouth have in her? Uh, you know, it's a few thousand. Several thousand? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you think about each one of those bass, if we can just increase the survival rates of the, of mm -hmm. the fry or increase the good spawning area, then that's doing much, much more than our stocking. It's almost like stocking is supplemental, but mm -hmm. the habitat is what drives it's, the bus. Exactly. Same and, thing Same thing with quail. You know? Yeah, and that's why, that's why I tell people all the time, you know, the, the the good business model is is the habitat's right and you want these populations that can sustain themselves to do that. Mm -hmm. That's the best business model for us because then that frees up resources for us to do other things beyond try to take care of the fish that should be able to take care of themselves. Yeah. So we do that through, like you said, different types of habitat work. You know, it could be that there's not enough suitable spawning habitat, there's not enough of that nursery habitat. It could be a water quality issue. So, you know, we address that with various things, you know, through various types of habitat work we do. I wonder why, do you think stocking just gets all the attention because it's, you know, prettier, you can see it, something visual. visual, you yeah. can see the fish going in. And some of the fish have to be stocked. I mean, yeah. just, I mean, there's some fish that wouldn't make it on their own. Right, so. yeah. And there'd it, be no striper fish. There'd be no, no striper. Striking. I mean, on our small lakes, the, most people fish farm ponds, catfish typically, Channel cats typically don't reproduce, so that's something, you know, that we're working at trying to fix. But, you know, that has to happen. The saw guy have to happen. Some of the musky. Some of the musky stuff, the stripers, the hybrids. You know, there, there's certain things like that that... Have to be stuck. They can't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to sustain themselves. Yeah. But, you know, you get back to your panfish, your bass, your crappie. Those are the things that we can work on and get them to take care of themselves. And that, a lot of that, the way I understand it, is because of just basically wear on the lake, you know, water damage, or what am I trying to say here? It's basically that all the structure and habitat in the lake from impoundment has worn, washed away, yeah. worn itself worn away. Yeah, it's, it's decomposed. And so that's why we're doing habitat work is mm -hmm. to put more structure into the lake for them to be able to, to spawn with or to use for cover. But in, as far as muskie and walleye and a lot of those species we were talking about, the problem's really the dams, right? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, they're natural, they're natural spawning grounds and river run stuff they're used to. It's just they don't have the right stuff to do so to that, go through those activities. So removing dams or adding structure to lakes are probably the two best things we could do. They mm -hmm. are. And again, and the other thing that you got to keep in mind is even with all the habitat work, Mother Nature's mean to us some years. Mm -hmm. Environmental conditions are just not suitable some years. Some years we just don't get good spawns in our lakes. Yeah. And, you know... The, the nice thing about that is, is just we don't necessarily always have to have a good spawn. We just don't want it to go years and years and years between spawns. But yeah. missing a spawn here and there, typically, is not a detrimental thing. Yeah, that's just part of how the process works. So, what are you all working on right now, David? Well, I've actually last two weeks we've been at Elmer Davis Lake. Uh, we had a, another phenomenal year of Christmas trees donated to mm -hmm. us at our drop sites around mm -hmm. the state. I think just in our district, I think we were a little over twenty three hundred trees. So. Uh, twenty one hundred of them just went into Elmer Davis Lake this week. So I think I know that I know for a fact that Guest Creek got nine hundred or so as well, right? So we, we did. Uh, we actually had a vendor come drop a, uh, a pretty good pile of trees off, and uh, we actually created another really big offshore brush pile, mm -hmm. um, kind of headed up lake towards the uh, bridge. Okay. So. All these sites we do, they're on our website. Yeah. Go to the lake you like to fish. There'll be a little link at the top, uh, fish attractors or fish habitat. Uh, get GPS coordinates, see it on a map. You can even download it into your GP, uh, into your depth finder on yeah. your boat. So. Oh, yeah, if you have a Garmin or something like that. Yeah, you can so 
but yeah everything we've done has been on the website but yeah it's kind of a cool thing i mean habitat works one of my favorite things we do i think it makes the most sense i just wish it got more publicity over just spawning or overstocking you know yeah at green river state park they've put in a new pier that's handicapped accessible it's not, it'll be done in early april but they're doing those spider humps those look phenomenal yeah they I've got seen those all those done. pictures and they're gonna be within casting distance of that pier they're, right? they're just right off the front edge i mean you mm. real short casting you're on top of that so it's, it's kind of like gravel and they use either logs or plastic pipe mm -hmm. at various angles and it gives great um were you with the mike harden was telling me they ran a boat over some of it at barron did you then? I did some shocking on that stuff. And just rolling fish left and right off that. Those rock piles with the, either the logs or the plastic They call them spider tam, humps? Is that what they call they're them? Calling them that's what, yeah, we're calling them spider humps. As far as a bass attractor, those things are phenomenal. That's what I heard. I mean, hmm. the amount of bass that come <laughs> off of them things, you couldn't dip them all. They were coming up so fast. Really? Also, I mean, and. Dipping's fun. A it's lot hard. of big bass. I mean, I w I'm pumped. Bass fishermen target the rock pile stuff. Those are phenomenal. Now the the big brush piles we've done with big cedars and stuff on the mud flats. If you're a crappie guy, you better wear them out. Mm -hmm. They are loaded with crappie. And that's all on the website. And yep. it's and yeah, it's it's phenomenal. The spider hump sound interesting. I have to. Yeah, it's yeah the um, the the issue that's at at the printers now has got some pictures. And um, did we put any on the website? I'm not sure. I think I think they're going to, but they're uh. I, I know we. I know really neat looking structures. I know we've we've put pictures out on some of our social media. Yeah, stuff. I think it might be in, yeah. Facebook so I, I know or, there's some stuff out there, but yeah, they're cool. They're actually not too bad. I mean, it's just you know it's a you know a few ton of sh uh, shot rock or riprap, mm -hmm. um, and you know some massive logs, and it's a kind of a simple looking structure, but man, the I mean, I'm, and they'll last I, too. Yeah, that's the nice thing. Rock's not going to go away. Uh, the timbers are, are cedar logs, so so they're going to be there. A long they're going to be there a long, long time. And then, like I said, like at Green, just for the sake of longevity, they actually use big plastic pipe. Yeah, that'll be there. For and them. then it helps the the people on the fishing pier that they're not going to get hung up in, in yes. into that plastic. Yeah. That's one thing. We did a segment recently with Adam Martin, and they were putting trees laydowns in the lake for bass spawning habitat down on Barkley and mm -hmm. all the comments that came across on YouTube were talking about how many lures everybody's going to lose there. I'm going to tell you what, what, what <laughs> I actually got to go down and help on that Yeah. and I'm going, that work, I'm going, this looks awesome. No, it did look good. I'm going, I think the bass are going to really be pulled up on that and I'm going, man, there's going to be a lot of people flipping baits. Lord. <laughs> I mean, Lord basically knows. you could just spend a lifetime going down the bank. It's like 470 miles of shoreline. Well, the coves, we, the, the embayments we were working in, and I'm looking and I'm going, I could come down here and fish for a week, and I don't know that I could get through this one embayment. Mm -hmm. yeah. there, I mean, the amount, the, just the sheer volume of work that's been done. And that'll help, you know, Kentucky unreal. Lake's on the improved, Barkley is too, from the Asian carp thing. Cause, mm -hmm. Man, my God, we used to go down there. If you, you know, if you went 10 minutes out hooking a bass in April on a shaky head, you're like, man, they've turned off, something's wrong. You yeah. know I mean? You get spoiled rotten, you'd have 50, 60 fish days all the time. God, it was great. So those flakes are on the rebound, though. Yes, I, yes. Yes. It seems like with the BAF system and some of the commercial fishing efforts and modified unified and everything that's gone on down there. It's making Do you know it. the numbers, David? About I just actually saw a graph that the agency put out, and it looked like the harvest this past year was 9 million pounds. Mm -hmm. And it looked like probably 8 million pounds of that was from Barkley and Kentucky Lakes. Yeah. And Adam so told it's me impressive. Too. I mean, it's amazing. They don't get off a of spawn very often in the lake environment mm -hmm. either. So no. if we can hammer them and they have poor spawns, we can really smack them in the face. That That is the hope. And like I said, I think people on those two lakes, I talked to Adam when we were down there at our uh, helping with this project and how things were going. And he said, yeah, I mean, he said, you know, it's a good opportunity to come down here and catch you know, a lot of fish. He said they've had really good, uh, I was asking about bass because that's what I fish for mainly, but. He said, yeah, we've got several really good year classes coming up. So he says, I think I think the future is looking really good. You know, there's a lot of fish to be caught right now. Well, even just, what was it? It couldn't have been two years ago, Lee, when they had the uh, big bass tournament down there, and it was like the record-breaking hauls for the winter. I think first through third place all had over 100 pounds in four days. When was that? It was, it was probably two or three years ago. Yeah. I was actually talking with one of the editors uh, yeah. From a magazine, and he was, and I was like, "Hey, I mean, you've seen these results. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
You know, this lake's good. Out, yeah. This, this lake, you this know, lake's junk and there's nothing left. It's everybody's small. like, man, it's bad, it's bad. You don't want to go this or that. And I'm like, look at what's being pumped out in these yeah. tournaments. I'm like, it's obviously and, not bad. And th that perception's kind of, you know, one of my favorite tackle stores is no longer, I mean, there's it's impacted people, you know? I there's mean, been a lot of the mom and pop stuff that, and because it's not a big commercial area. It's mm -hmm. a lot of just, you know, mom and pop and uh, businesses. And I mean, that's what makes it neat. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they, they, took, they it the took it on the chin bad and a lot of them are just gone. And you go down through like, through a roar and stuff and you're like, places you remember going, you're like, oh, like hey. it's like boarded up and you're like, oh, oh man. I know. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, one, the stigma from the Asian carp, two, I'd say that COVID probably had something to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of a one-two punch, I think. Well, and it wasn't just, you know, restrictions and things like that, it was supply. I mean, we know, Lee, how, how mm. hard it's been to get fishing rods. Oh, Lord. Um, and because, you know, we get a sponsorship. And I mean, you're talking about shipping rods that either aren't being man or fishing rods that either aren't being manufactured or can't get shipped. So they might just, you know, a lot of businesses, especially fishing stuff coming from overseas, um, are having a hard time just getting inventory. There's a little mom and pop uh, combination bait store and uh, Minute Mart and sandwich shop and all that in Aurora that have the, still my favorite shaky heads I've ever found. And yeah. I, I think they, I hope they're not gone, but. The, That's the uh, problem. You find something you like and then they disappear. Yeah. And tackle so warehouse, unfortunately. I mean, you hate going online where you can support local, mm -hmm. but I mean. Well, if, they have it. If you have, if there's one thing you need, they, they probably have it. And that Christmas special they run every year, the 25 days of Christmas, mm -hmm. if you want to get load up for the year, that's the time to do it. Chad pointed out to me on there, they do a uh, defect type deal also. Um, where it's like just the paint is a little off on oh, the bait a or chip or scratch. Yeah, like a paint or yeah, anything. It's a scratch like that. and dent sale. So yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it's like they, you know, I'm gonna have a scratch and dent after my first time fishing. Say yeah. Apollo was making this uh, this jerk bait here, and they just screwed up one little thing on the on the paint, you know, yeah. and got something wrong. They can't sell it now um, for a full price, so they send it kind of like you said, scratch and dent. And uh, Chad said he picks up baits for about 25% off all the time. They just have one little thing that would never impact the, the fish ability of them. I bet you that's, it's kind of funny because we'll see baits, you know, find baits hanging in trees when I'm out fishing. I was going to say, is that, I remember Kerry Prather took oh, so incredible pride in having all those baits oh, yeah. around so his it's, Yeah, that still goes on. You, you Good, I was hoping baits. that didn't die. No, and then like me and my son go out. He gave like, me a bunch. This time of year, no leaves, you can find a lot of baits. Yeah. It's really weird because you'll find these baits and like one side will be like chartreuse black back and the other side will be like, you know, uh, shad pattern. It's like. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened there at the mm. factory? <laughs> yeah, there you go. So maybe that's a, maybe that's what the story Scratching is. Scratching in, I probably, yeah, that's strange. One side, one thing, one side, the other. I mean, that's not a bad. I, I just thought indecisive angler, but. I'm going to fire tiger. Do I, I want I'm going to try you know, all the colors in one bait. Black and silver. All right, let's just do both. Yeah. Honestly, I think you could probably throw a lot out there and catch fish. <laughs> I mean, have you seen some of the, uh, like, spoof uh, fishing baits that people have used before like i mean it'll be like a, a little miller like what's yeah, the little, beer on the simpsons oh yeah you know it'd be like one of those with treble hooks on it and they put a bill on the front of it and then I've turn up those. it'll catch fish yeah. and, i'm telling you they're bass they're a predator if it goes by them they're going to hit it we yeah. found a cool bait when we were out actually lure hunting this winter my son goes hey look up there he said there's a bait and i was like that looks like a wad of leaves up there and he's like no no that's a bait and we got looking and it's this bait. It's a topwater bait, and it looks like a bat. Hmm. And we pulled it across the water, and it, it's like wings, wings kind of flap like. Yeah. And he, oh, he's poor up. Like he's like already talking smack. He's gonna catch a big bass. <laughs> oh, you know, I, see, oh, I see those baits in the stores. You know, it's like some of them look like muskrats, and some of them bats, and you birds and ducks. Have you ever and, thrown the old snake bait? Do you remember those Tom Man snake baits? They had a, they had yeah. a foam head yeah, and then a snake you, body. There used to be an infomercial. Yeah, <laughs> man, I slayed on those things at night. Yeah. Um, some of those things, I feel like they sell because of that cool. Like you were talking about your son. Yeah, it's got a novelty of it. Yeah, it's like, oh, it would be so cool to just catch one fish on this. And, you know, it makes it worth 26 bucks. <laughs> but, the, but the snake bait worked. You yeah. know, you got a couple foam, a couple bodies and a foam head. And, and that oh, thing yeah. would slither. Oh, man, when they hit it, they... Do you remember, I mean, there used to be on TV, there used to be so many infomercials for, or commercials for baits, like the banjo. Banjo, I was going to say banjo, banjo <laughs> yeah. I've still got a box of the helicopter lures at the house. The, Which one was that? Roll, the roll, Bells rolling rolling the one that just spawned to the water. Well, do you remember the ones that would go down a rock wall, like, 
They had a planed out lead. Yeah, what was it? You pull it, and then it would go down another and hit the wall, and then it would do like that. Huh. I'd use those at Harrington. It'd be like three hits, and it get hung. Harrington's a bait stealer. It would get hung in one of those crevices and be like, well, goodbye, new lure. Snap. Yeah. Harrington's a bad place to throw anything that touches the bottom. Oh, no. Or the Lord. rock wall. Yeah, no. No, that's right. I've told Lee before, the one thing that the falls taught me is to fish cheap. Mm. Real cheap. So I'm probably not going to be buying any $26 lures. I know to throw an Ohio River. I would be scared to throw a $26 lure. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I've done it for muskie before, but that's the beauty of having... Those baits are $12, dollars and I'm throwing them. I'm like, oh, don't touch the bottom. Don't touch the bottom. Don't touch the bottom. I'll tell you what. I tell people all the time, if you're looking for some good deals on baits or you're new into fishing, check out these like local swap meet, fishing swap meets. I mean, you can go in there and buy crankbaits that are like new, two for $5, $3 a piece, mm -hmm. and fill a tackle box up, and you ain't invested a ton of money, mm -hmm. and you got a good arsenal of baits right in front of you there, so. i tell you, some of the, well, so Lee was actually, there's a segment being edited by Tim right now. Lee's actually going to be on the show coming up here soon, mm -hmm. and they took $50 a piece, him and Chad, they went to Academy, and they had to completely outfit themselves to okay. go catch uh, some fins like trout. And we end up using power bait. <laughs> <laughs> we threw moving baits, not through inline spinner, jerk bait, not a bite through power bait, and we caught fish. Chad so could have got out there because he bought a $19 rod and reel combo that came with a little tackle box. Mm -hmm. I mean, it had bobbers and hooks and a couple of inline spinner baits. I don't know how it was only 19 bucks because four MEPs cost you 19 bucks. I mm -hmm. think there was probably close to that in there. But, um, yeah, he could have got out of there for $23 and easily caught just as many fish as you all did with just See, that. I upgraded mine. Mine was, my combo was 30 whole dollars, so. Yeah. <laughs> did you win? Uh, no, Chad caught two, but I caught, man, the fish I caught was nice. Yeah. And we, we struggled to catch, yeah. but, but uh, we caught him that day and it was tough, so no complaints. Yeah. That was at a, and they said, or Chad and, told me, you didn't tell me this, that, um people were taking you know it was a fins lake so yeah. it's catch and keep season mm -hmm. there and they mm -hmm. were they were doing it <laughs> well, i mean again at the end of the day that's that's, that's what, what that, that's what that program's designed for yeah so the trout ain't gonna live in there forever yeah so they're not gonna make it through july so mm -hmm. might as well eat them now, will, the main thing is if you're keeping them make sure you got trout permit okay. i will say the other day i walked down to the our lake right here at headquarters you know right outside this window and I was just going to spend about 20 minutes and see if I'd catch a couple of trout and throw them in the cooler and take them home and eat them. And I was fishing off the dock right out there. And there was one other guy fishing next to me. And he would pull up, you know, like a 15-inch rainbow trout, take it off the hook and throw it right back in the water. And then I'd catch a 6-inch trout and I'd, you know, look at it, not big enough to keep, throw it back in the water. And that's how we did it the whole day. He was not catching keeping and he was catching all the big ones. I was trying to catch and keep and all I could catch were the little stalkers. Huh. Which, I mean, I could have kept, too. There's no minimum size limit. Right. But at the same time, if I'm going to... You didn't want to mess with it, either. If, yeah, I'll leave those for somebody else to catch. If I catch a couple of those 15-inchers, then I will take those home. And I might go try it again. Not, probably not today, because I have to and, go... And these catch-and-release streams, you know, the, the, the catch-and-release season ends at the end of the month. So the 1st of April mm -hmm. is an excellent time, if you want to. Because mm -hmm. in, in, in my column recently... Talking about, you know, those fish have been eating natural foods. Mm -hmm. Some of those that were stocked in October have learned to survive on natural foods. So, oh, yeah. you know, that's a lot more of a, you know, fly fisherman's paradise, you know, uh, uh, people who want to throw moving baits or whatever. It's going to be a lot more amenable to that than, than uh, dunking a worm in a fins lake. One mm -hmm. of you guys might know this. I'm pulling out the fishing guide real quick because I want to double check. But you were talking about the end of catch and release season mm -hmm. for, the, for the streams being mm -hmm. the end of this month. Yeah. yeah. So that'd be Except April 1st. For Swift Camp Creek and that ends next year and it's May 31st. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, is that across the board now? Because I knew that there were some that That will were... end for the next license season. There, everything will be the same. So That's having good. that outlier. That'll be nice. Yeah, because consistency is a good thing. Yeah, it's easy so, to keep I up mean, with. I write about it all the time. Except you, Swift Camp Creek, which is March. You know, so right now, it's everything is April first, except for Swift Camp. That'll be May first. Yeah, that, that'll mm -hmm. be June first when it, June first catch and keep starts. May thirty one is the it, it, the catch and release season goes to. But starting next year, it'll be it'll be the same as all the others. So that's good. The reg simplification is definitely it a is thing. a good thing. Yeah. We want people to enjoy it, but we also don't want to get them messed up either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, too, yeah. Confusion, you know, too many things. Is, but there, that's there, good. There's a lot that's of good. rules in life. We don't need to make more if we don't have to. Uh, I totally agree. Yeah. You know, uh, have you guys watched 1883 at all? No. No, have you? Yeah, I've been watching it. And the, last night on the show, uh, one of the ladies said, 
that the more people you get together, the more rules you have to have. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know, that is true. That is. Because they were talking about, because they're, you know, basically doing the old Oregon Trail thing where they're crossing the, and basically out there in the middle of nowhere, there are no rules and it's just survival. But then once you get to a, a place, you know, there are rules and the more people, the more rules. And I was, I thought, you know, that's pretty true. Mm -hmm. So, but that has nothing to do with what we were just talking about. But it stuck, <laughs> it stuck in my head last night when I was watching that show. So Dave, when, uh, when Lee told me that we were going to do this podcast today, he said that you had been doing work with Saugai and White Bass. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Those are two of the more exciting species we have coming up. Mm -hmm. so. Well, I was going to say that's kind of the, probably one of the first ones when people really start getting, getting hold of. They're a little earlier than the rest of them. So, um, yeah, I mean, for our, our district, I mean, our two big ones for Saugai and White Bass would be Taylor, uh, Taylorsville for both of them mm -hmm. uh, by far. I mean, if you're, if you're wanting to go catch Saugai, I'd head Taylorsville. The nice thing with those is they, they actually are up in the river running with the white bass. So yeah. you can go up there and catch white bass and also catch uh, sawguy. One thing about Taylorsville, and the sawguy will run a little bit earlier in the white bass, correct? They're up there mm -hmm. typically at the same time, but yeah, I wouldn't surprise me if they're a little, they may already be some up there now. That's so what I, mean, I was wondering. Because the thing is, I mean, you gotta keep in mind- I'm sure it's rocking and rolling too. They're, they're, it's a walleye, it's a sauger. I mean, it's, the sauger typically run up below our big dams Everywhere. You know, up or, they're up there a month ago. So yeah. I've caught them in um, 38 degree water before. So yeah, I wouldn't. It would not surprise me that you have some up there now. Basically, what I do is because I I always go too early for the white bass. I start. Getting, Everybody does. Well, and I well, I try to beat the gets, people too. You know, yeah. like I, I like to get out there. So I'll start fishing two weeks before I should be fishing. And typically, if I go out there and I feel like I'm early and I'm not catching white bass, I might go a little bit heavier with my jig head and get down there towards the bottom and see if I can't find a saw guy lurking around. So I think that's I think that's the key right there. You gotta get a little bit more weight and you gotta be in contact with the bottom. Oh, if, if, you, if you're not on the bottom and having bottom contact, some, the odds of you catching them go way down. Way and down. I will say that when I'm out there fishing, say me and Kristen are fishing, um, a lot of times there is a noticeable difference. Like we'll both be catching white bass. Mm -hmm. She'll be catching more white bass, but I'll have two or three saw guy on my stringer. And it's all about you know, you can, you can catch them higher in the water, or you can, but you're more likely to catch saw guy on the bottom. And the white bass, uh-oh. I'm being page, that's not good. Uh-oh, hopefully it's nothing too important. No. Okay. We're good. Uh, what, so you know what I'm saying, but you can basically go a little bit deeper during the same time period when you're trying to catch white bass and potentially pick up those saw guy. And mm -hmm. I would rather catch saw guy personally. Oh, so. heck yeah. You well, know, there's a lot of really good tasting meat on a saw guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, the whole thing's just a bunch you of meat. Get, you get done and there's nothing left. Yeah. You take them fillets off and you're like, 95% of this fish is, is, is a fillet. It's got a head and a spine and that's <laughs> and everything else on it's delicious meat. And, and it's because the skin comes off so clean also. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll say this. Um, we're starting to get a lot of reports that, you know, a five plus pound saw guy is starting to show up pretty regular now. We've had some. We've had them up um, seven pounds in our samples. That's what I saw. Seven pound saw guy. Well, yeah. the state record is now nine something, right? Yeah, and it, and it come out of actually one of our district lakes, a uh, Bullock Pen yeah, up in northern Pen. Kentucky. But it it just barely uh, got over nine pounds. So the every year, it's, yeah, I mean, there. He's got a nine pounder in Bullock Pen. Nine pounder is the current state record out of Bullock. If I had to, ten lake, yeah. If I gave you the choice right now, you you know you had to put a hundred bucks. That's right. That guy from Verona got it. Met yep. him, Mr. Kratzenberg. Yep. Yeah. Say, say you had to put a hundred dollars down on this. The, the saw guy record will be broken this year, or it won't be broken this year. Would you put your money on it'll be broken or not? It, it seems like it's broken every year. It's been broken every year. Now that we're to nine pounds, we're, we're equivalent to all of the surrounding states. So you think we might be? I'm thinking we're starting to get close to that, maybe that top. Of so what you're saying is it's 50-50. Yeah, so I, I don't know that I would, I wouldn't feel good putting my $100 on it. Yeah. Well, you probably wouldn't feel good putting it against it either, though. <laughs> no, oh no. And like I said, I mean, this is still a new, kind of a new fisheries. Yeah. This is only a fisheries that we've been involved in for probably like six or seven years. So. I don't think we actually know what the true potential of yeah. these fish in some of our lakes actually are saying. at this I point. I feel like it will be broken. I would this not year. be shocked if somebody called and said, "Hey, I got this big fish. How do I get it registered? You know, certified yeah. for state record?" And and uh, I kind of feel like, you know, 
they've kind of they come out of bullock pan which is, is one of the original stocking lakes so it had the potential for an older fish mm -hmm. i'll tell you what the performance at taylorsville on these fish has been phenomenal I'm, i mean i think you could sit there and watch them grow in the water they're growing so fast over there i like to hear that so i i think the best chance to go just catch quality and numbers is taylorsville right now i'm gonna look up you know what the second okay what's the most impressive state record that we have i mean it's pretty easy to figure that one out, right? The most impressive. Um, well, it depends. What, what do you mean it depends? It's, it's all about perspective here. Yeah, I oh mean, my gosh. We, we have a gigantic blue catfish. We also have a gigantic, uh, what a lot of people call spoonbill, but the paddlefish records. I'm going to consider it the world record smallmouth bass. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've read so much about it overlooked that. I was like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's one didn't pop in my brain for some I reason. Said, that's the hey, same thing. Have have thing. All right, fair enough. We'll give you that. I was thinking of like massiveness, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Yeah. over 100 pounds and stuff like that. No, but that that's exactly what happened to me. I was back at Salado the other day, and I was standing there with Chad, and we were looking at the trophy fish exhibit, which has the state records on it, right? And I looked at one of them and I told Chad, I said, I think that's probably the most impressive state record we have. And he said, you sure it's not that one over there? And he pointed at the smallmouth and I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Well, that's the world record. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what, I got to hold the replica mount of the muskie out of Cave Run. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there holding this thing going, this can't be for real. Yeah. Like, you just yeah, can't. Terry got you cannot appreciate how big that fish is until you've got your arms wrapped around that replica mount. And I was like, this thing would pull me out of the boat. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, yeah, it's a. I think that's the only bite you got all day. I, I, it was the right one. It's the walleye though. Is the second most impressive yeah. state record. Well, during that time, that was just something you know. Those were the native river run walleye when yeah. they made Lake Carmel, when they just sat there. And went, whoop, whoop. Yep. I mean, there was so many fifteen to twenty pound walleye. Caught so twenty. That time. 21 and a half pounds. He caught it a, not far from the ramp there at, in Pumpkin Creek at the Lake Herman State Park. It's a big walleye, though. Yeah. And it's also, I think, our, bikes, second, right our second oldest record as well. I so. think that's like in the top five all time. That's uh, cool. Walleye. Yeah, it's, I mean, the that's huge. The world records, once, depends on which sanctioning body you look at. Some would say it's 22. The others are pretty much agree now that it's a 25-pounder out of Old Hickory. That was caught in the same mm -hmm. deal. It was Native River. When, you, it, it, when you're talking about that, it's the same deal that produced the world record smallmouth. I mean, you're talking about a fish that was native to the river, lived in the river, and yeah. then all of a sudden we built this dam and, all, and that fish had an all-you-can-eat buffet in front yeah. of him. So yeah. he had the crazy genetics of a native river Fish. fish and the eating habits of a river fish too because it's probably a little bit harder life so they got to it is a meal life. when they find they don't it. miss an opportunity than but river fish benji thought that that fish had been in the river a couple of years before impoundment yeah. yeah so that's i mean old joe's what the old joe old, that's what mr all the big small yeah. yeah old joe but the what but the walleye is that same kind of deal i mean you're talking about just a freak of nature fish i mean because you won't see a 20 pound walleye anymore you know, in that rod, a lot of people don't realize that rod has a permanent bend in it. They call it that world record. It's an old true temper metal rod that he used. Okay. His, it, and the fish bent it into a permanent bend. I've sure, got pictures of it. You sure that wasn't the bucket he caught? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that bucket would have put up a... Oh, yeah. He thought, yeah. Well, you know, that that's why that fish was there. And again, we were talking about wave action earlier. All that habitat's been obliterated, but there was an old... Um, house foundation and homestead there's a you know there was mm -hmm. a, uh, and I've got the pre-impoundment mats there was a feedlot a barn and all that and, and he caught several fish he reeled up shoes mm -hmm. clothing and he hooked a bucket one time trolling right there oh, he gosh. thought he had a monster and he reels in a bucket I, I can see a bucket fighting just like a <laughs> oh, fish yeah, he thought, oh. back and forth I fought many of a good log Yep. Yeah, I mean, we've all done it. I've, hooked, oh, yeah. I've snagged rocks. They put up a good fight. Sometimes, you know, I'll... Bark, too. I've hung, I've hung bark. They change directions. Then it's like, oh, get wow, hey, I got one. It's like, oh, my God, it's bark. Yeah. <laughs> as bad as when you got your partner with the net sitting there waiting on it. <laughs> it's a piece of bark. <laughs> like, well, they won't take anything you say seriously for the rest of the day. <laughs> you got to set the hook, though. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, you're going to hey, miss a fish. They don't cost know. nothing. I always say yeah, hook sets yeah, are free. That's what, that's what uh, hook sets are free. No, Jeremy Daniel says hook sets are free. I am really excited. I mean, these. so now the days are getting longer. Like you guys noticed that it's not dark when you get home from work anymore, right? Mm -hmm. You got till 7.15 or 7.30 now, and time changes soon. So that's going to be 8.15, 8.30. And the days are, you know, getting longer, warming up. I want to be outside every chance I can. And it seems like fishing is finally here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can fish all winter, but there's just something about fishing. Oh, in March. I just in March and April. And catching the first fish of the year yesterday was actually a lot of fun. 
So yeah, I'm jealous. I haven't yeah, done that yet. Got to get out there. Mine was a stalker child on fire bait. That was my first fish of the year. Last you know, Monday. You know, I guess my first fish of the year was a the small little trout that I was catching right down here. So now I can't. You know, first fish of the license year was yes. yesterday. So we'll, we'll go by that. Yeah, that reminds me. I gotta. I was, we, we were me, me and Chase were talking about it. I was like. I got to get, get mine. I was like, I need to get on the website and get it printed off because we got like 60 degree weather today and it's yeah, killing me. Need to get out. I don't want to mess up and do something wrong. So no, I picked up my sportsman's license and my bobcat permit because it's free and my three chances of elk drawing um, last week. And I, the only other things I should need to buy are the bear permit and the bonus deer tags, but I'm going to wait. Until I'll make sure I Are make you it. Try to the same spot next year that for you bear? this year. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I I don't really go down there and bear hunt with any hopes of killing a bear. I just mainly go because it's you know kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's an adventure. So I could probably go bear hunting anywhere and have just as much fun. You know, there's something about thinking that I might actually see one gives. I like having that hope. I like the feeling of uh, potential success, and I'm never disappointed. You know. I would be disappointed if I saw a bear and uh, missed it or something like that happened, but going down there and not seeing a bear seems pretty fun to me still. <laughs> I don't know. You know? So I, I'm, I'm fine with where I was last year. I got to see what it looks like as far as I'll scout again this year and see if I feel like there's going to be a lot of people there. I just want to avoid crowds. So. Yeah. That's the main thing. Well, people are definitely starting to get the itch because we where we've been out working. Oh, I bet we're we're seeing people out in fishing kayaks. We've seen we've seen the the John boats, the bass boats. I mean, everybody's like sixty degrees. It's we got to get out of the house. Yeah, we're it's on. Yeah, like I said, daylight. I mean, get you kind of out of that that hibernating and winter winter slump and mm-hmm. and you uh, know, it's that's very true. One thing, it might be worth just pushing on people is I've noticed a lot more trash this year, and I think it's probably because of the several flood events that we had, mm-hmm. um, you know, like on the banks and, and things like that. So it might be worth, you know, maybe that first one or two times out of the year taking a trash bag with you. Yeah, I used to be real good about that, and I've gotten slacky. I need to get back on. I bring a bag with me and fill it up. Well, even, you know, with the tornado we had come through, it blew some trash around. That yeah. There's trash on the bank of the farm pond. I'm going to clean up today before we film, but I know that nobody took that trash down there and left it. It's right. a private property, and nobody's trashing the place up. That could just blown in from a storm or from a flood coming through some drainage or something like that so i mean i'm i don't want to film with trash on the ground so that's extra incentive for me but we are going to pick up the the pond before we film today bro it's all just better experience outdoors when it's not trashy mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean i i mean i don't enjoy going to a lake and looking at trash while i'm fishing so who does but who yeah does? So yeah, it's a simple well, thing. I've had calls from people out of state who have floated some of our central Kentucky streams saying, why is there so much trash? And it's just, it's yeah. embarrassing. Unfortunately, it comes off, the, I would, a lot of it probably comes off the side of the road. Yeah. It gets washed into a drainage, which gets pushed into a stream. You know, it's just people littering in general. Some of it's probably accidental, you mm-hmm. know. Well, I knew some people growing up and roll down their window, and like they go to McDonald's, roll down their window and throw the, Drink thing and the whole bag out the window. Oh, I hate those people. Oh, I always tell people, I'm like, you didn't have any problem packing it in your car. That's what kills me. In your in your cooler and bringing it. Yeah, and it's lighter going back. Yeah. So what's what's the big deal of taking it back? I mean, you obviously went to the effort to bring it. Just take it back with you and throw it in your trash can. Some type of personality trait or or something in those people. Uh, I was fishing the one of those ponds at Central Kentucky. Wildlife management. And uh, a family came out, and they stayed maybe 45 minutes, threw out some Snoopy rods and millworms or whatever, and tried to catch a bluegill, and just ate, ate, ate chips, and left everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, you carried that probably three-quarters of a mile when it, when it was heavy. Right. But now it doesn't weigh anything. You left it all on the bank, so I picked it up. I was just steaming, going, I mean, Yeah, really. And I saw that happen on a, a fork of the Elkhorn, this we saw this family come down, and they, uh, we, we pulled over and ate lunch, and they had Dairy Queen and sitting there eating, you know, their Blizzard or whatever, and, and threw it all down and left. Yeah. We went over that, filled it back up, but I was like, you carried that heavy thing down that hill, but now it doesn't weigh anything, but you can't carry it back. It just, oh, it drove, that just, just drives me nuts. Lazy. Yeah, Laziness. it drives me crazy. My granddad would, you pulled that around him, he'd rip you a new one. He yeah. couldn't stand That's it. what we actually probably need. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you don't you don't see stuff like that in the areas that are take work to get to. 
Yeah. You know, you, you go a little bit off the beaten path and you, you don't know, see it much. And right. people who go there aren't willing to carry it back, you know. Yeah. But anyway, so we were talking saw guy and white bass. Mm -hmm. We've talked a little bit saw guy and white bass already, Lee. Do we want to go into more technique stuff, where to target the fish, how to target the fish? And then also the catch and release aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the saw guy are sterile, right, David? So they're kind of like the hybrid striped bass. In, in, in a general sense, no, they're not going to reproduce. They're going to go through the motions. There are potential. There could be a, a little bit of success, possibly. But in, a, but in a general sense, no, they're not. They're never going to spawn and, and sustain a population. So in general, if you take a saw guy out of the population, you're taking one fish out, even for the future. Correct. Yeah, yeah because they're not contri contributing beyond their existence. So really catch and keep saw guy, I mean, you're not doing a lot of damage long term to the fishery. No, and I mean, that's kind of the, that fisheries in a sense is kind of that bonus fishery. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a kind of a put, put grow and then take it out. Yeah. And, and the reason, and we stock, we're st in these places that we stock them, you know, they're, they're typically an annual stocking. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're, we're going to have more fish coming on. So yeah, don't feel bad. I mean, definitely we want you to Follow the 14-inch uh, size limit and only keep your six. Yeah, you, you know, definitely do that the right way. But uh, yeah, there's not an issue whatsoever with taking some home for table fare and enjoying them. And mm -hmm. a lot, most of the lakes, those get put in the the shad control, right? Is that generally right? So we've got a couple different things. So so in a shad lake, obviously, you know, shad, you know, that's that's a soft bait fish. It's easy to eat, so that's going to be their main diet. We also have put them in some of our small uh, state on lakes. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some research that shows that they help with uh, stunted crappie population because they will take out some of the crappie. Right. So, like Bolts Lake would be an example of that in our district. Mm -hmm. That we've had issues in the past where the white crappie get off these huge spawns and they get stuck at four to six inches. Mm -hmm. So the thought behind the saw guy was is, and some other states had success with this. They start cropping those little crappie off when they're two, three, four inches long. Yeah. Now, fast forward several years, you know, an eight to eight to ten, eight to eleven inch crappie is is a, is a more common fish than a five to seven inch fish. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're basically using the saw guy to do what we were talking about needing anglers mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. earlier. It's which, hard to get anglers to take a four inch crappie home, though. Mm -hmm. Well, you probably don't want them to. <laughs> there's not Especially a lot of lakes when there's a ten inch size limit. Yeah, well, that, like those legs don't have a size limit on it, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, so we're using them as the cropping mechanism to improve our crappie and some of our because most of our small lakes, that's the chronic problem is overpopulation, and then they get stuck at small mm -hmm. sizes. That's then why we don't stock them in ponds. We don't recommend the because they take over so quick. Correct. Yep, that's yeah. The saw guy are just much more willing to take a small crappie than uh. Than They're really anybody. good at it too. I think when they get a hold, they can't get out of their teeth. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. And then but, the go ahead, Lee. No, well, kind of like I've, I've been to lakes where it's like. Man, I'm getting a bite. Man, I'm getting a bite. And every crappie's five mm -hmm. inches long. Yeah. Just bait thieves. And, and I've had, you ever been to a lake where if you catch, like, God, I'm getting hit. God, I'm getting hit. God, and it goes on for an hour, an hour, and you're bass fishing, and then finally you foul hook a green sunfish. Yep. Yep. And you realize, well, I've been wasting my time. Oh, you yeah. can always tell if I'm running like a, a crawfish imitator or something yes. down a drop, and oh, I can feel it biting, and it's going <laughs> to set the hook, and I come back, and I'm missing a pincher. Always mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Where that was so yeah so yeah there's a couple a couple different reasons for us stocking them in different lakes so as far as catch and keep on the white bass is there any real concern with, with over harvest because i mean there is a lot of harvest that takes place in some of these lakes should, should anglers worry about that at all so so here's the way i kind of look at it is that you know we have regulations of what we're defining as acceptable that way it won't be detrimental to the population mm -hmm. so one thing to keep in perspective is is that Typically, white bass is a little different because they run up there. They're very vulnerable in the spring. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of your harvest really fast, yeah, so it looks bad. Yeah. But then pretty much the next 10 months of the year, they have no harvest on them. Yeah. So by the time you spread that out and look at the population in, in a generalized sense, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, basically, we wear them out for a month and then... So like. Yeah, so like, so what we tell people like on a private pond or something, there's this quota, you want to harvest X number of pounds of fish per year. Mm. With white bass, we just get it all in one month, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, so, but it still averages out and it works out fine. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest thing with the white bass is, is just getting the right conditions so they get off successful spawns. Yeah. 
Um, luckily, you know, a lot of our lakes, we've had some wet springs, but that's actually kind of what the white bass like. So they like and, that flow. And I know we've talked a lot about Taylorsville. How's Harrington looking? That's a historically great white bass fishery. That goes back to the I want to go fish 40s. the dicks for them. Yeah, I mean, think, that should be one of the prettier places, right? Oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, it's, it's awesome down there. And, and, and those both walls. Every time I'm on Harrington, every time you go below the dam on Dix, you think, my God, what would this have been like? I'd love to have <laughs> go back in time and float Dix River before impoundment. That would have been so. Yeah, so, so Harrington is, is good. I mean, it may be down just a little bit right now. Um, but what I will tell you, it's still good numbers. I think you can go and be very successful. I talk to folks. They do still do really well over there. So I think it's a great opportunity. But what's kind of appealing to me about the Dix River upper end of Harrington is that some of the bigger white bass we see in yep. our district. That's what I'm So like Taylorsville maybe has a little bit better on the numbers end. A big white bass at Taylorsville is gonna be probably 12, 13 inches. Mm -hmm. You go to Harrington and we'll see them 17, maybe even to 18, but 17 seem pretty regular. And Nolan's good too. I think Nolan maybe is a combination of the so two. 16, 17 inches you see pretty regular? Yeah, so yeah, for quality I think so I don't know a lot about Nolan, which is our district, but I know Nolan's a really big one. Mm -hmm. I feel like the quality at Nolan is better than Taylorsville, mm -hmm. but the numbers are pretty good. I, I, like if you put the two side by side, if I had, if I was the same distance drive from mm -hmm. Nolan or from the Salt River, I'd go to Nolan. Just because you have the numbers, but you got a chance to catch some bigger fish. Yeah, there. I feel like the average size is bigger at Nolan, mm -hmm. but in the numbers, it doesn't seem like too big of a drop off to not be worth my time. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm just wanting to go fill up a stringer and take home 15, well, I might catch. 20 to do that at no land with a good eatable size fish, I might catch 25 to do it at mm -hmm. Salt River, you know. And I know I'm, I know the my counterpart over at Cave Run Lake, I mean, they talk about Cave Run Lake's white bass population. It's on fire. It's almost is awesome. Yeah. awesome. Really? Yeah. They're getting the jumps, don't they? They're getting the jumps really good uh, during the, the summer. summer. And then, I mean, they've got to have a phenomenal run. There's been times where I've been where the Harrington fish have gotten the jumps. And yeah, it's a, so it's a blast. I don't know enough about the area, cause it, but... You know, I would definitely, if you're interested, I'd reach out to Tom uh, Timmerman over in the district office there, because he's really been high on the white bass and cave run the last several years. Oh, and they should have that. Is that in the fishing forecast, you mm -hmm. think? It should be, yeah. I'm gonna look up cave run lake and just look at a map and see if I can't pick out a place that might be worth going to fish. Because cave run's beautiful too. I love mm -hmm. that part of the yeah, state. Yeah, in the forest. Let's see if we yeah, want to- cave run's gorgeous. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think, you know, I think that would be one to do a little homework on and. Yeah, I'd say you're probably right. It will would take some homework. Uh, yeah. But I mean, you'd probably be up Clay past here. That's a good muscle. White bass fishing. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I said Hickory Grove is kind of what I'm looking at here. And if you're boating in those upper parts, just be careful because oh, it's tree yeah. mobile. Yeah. So, yeah. But you, I think, I think. You can leave a lower unit up think, there. Like I said, do, do some homework, but I think Cave Run may be one of those kind of overlooked places for white bass. When well, they're in the jumps in the summer, only a few lakes get, I think, no Lynn they do. Yeah, and no they, that's one of the few that they get in the jumps in the summer. They that's get, fun. They get in the jumps on Taylorsville, too. We do went, went targeted them at no Lynn and Taylorsville in midsummer last year. We've been getting some better reports on the hybrids and white during bass. During the day? And the jumps. They'll come up during the heat of the day sometimes. Yeah. Just watch those shad balls. Mm -hmm. Fish those, and it was, it was mud what flats. What do you throw? Uh, like we, a casting spoon, so you we, get the distance. Uh, we used uh, everything from little swim baits to um, those pedigo spin rights, mm -hmm. uh, little crank baits, just all kinds of little baits. Anything that flashes in the water, looks like a minnow coming through, gets their attention. I mean, there's something you can throw a long way. Yeah. Even the even spooks and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean little. Uh, yeah, heading the the mm -hmm. baby spooks or the puppy spook, whatever mm -hmm. the small one is called. Mm -hmm. It's like a two and a half inch stick bait. Because if they're in the jumps, the top water stuff works fine. A lot of times you'll you can catch them subsurface, you know, in the jumps too, and then also catch them subsurface when they aren't jumping. Heading a rebel used to make a bait, and I still have one that the line it was a pop bar, but the line went through, and then you put like an eighth ounce bullet sinker on it, and then the the hook was dressed and marabou and white, okay. you know, it's red, white and red rather, mm -hmm. and dress with marabou, and then it would fall and you plop, plop, and then you had the surface commotion and that had a hook on it, but then you'd have a dropper 
coming off of it. And I have one. I used to be able to buy them around Harrington all the time. I don't know if they make that movie. That reminds me of a saltwater rig that I've seen used before. It's like a little... It's deadly on white bass. A little there, bubble. Especially the jumps. Seen the bubbles you fill up with water? Mm -hmm. And then you have like two feet of line behind them and it was just a treble hook with a straw. You ever used one of those? No, I haven't, but I've... I've it was the same know. purpose, but they... You fill the the plastic bubble up with water, and that gives you all kinds of weight and casting distance. I mean, it's probably three or four ounces <clears throat> worth of water, so you can really sling it. But then it's still buoyant, so it's riding on top of the surface and pop, 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 just like you were talking about. And then right behind it, you had a red straw, like two inches, mm -hmm. with a treble hook in it, and those fish would just attack that red straw. That's probably a technique that would work in freshwater, too, that I never see used. There's an older style of lure that was kind of invented in Harrington, the presentation. You ever heard of the plunker and fly? Yeah. And that was one. made with a, a, actually the original was a piece of broomstick handle. Okay. And they would put a hook in it, and then they would tie off the back that dropper rig just mm -hmm. like that, but it would be, it didn't slide in and out, and they blomp, mm -hmm. blomp, and then they would hit the top one, mm -hmm. or they would, it would disappear, and they would hit that dropper rig. And that was called the Plunker and Fly. And uh, Kurt Singers in Danville, that's an old-time store. It's been around forever. He's still there. Yeah, I know. He's buddy there. goes there all the time. Yeah. They had a specially made bait that had a hook on the side. They had two props and a hook on the side. And I think I still have it, or my brother does. And then you tied off a, a, in the middle, you could tie off a dropper rig. And then you had a prop bait. You'd rip, and they'd rip it, and then that dropper bait sitting there. Man, we huh. would smack them with that thing when they were in the jumps. Yeah. We'd sit there on the dock and just wait for them to come by. We'd be swimming and... Um, you know, messing around, and then we'd see shad popping. We'd have that ready, throw it out there, plump, 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 wham! I mean, we did that all the time. That's Sometimes a, we get a good hybrid that way. A technique you're talking about right now is uh, mainly for the lakes and mm -hmm. when they're in the jumps, but there is something pretty similar that people, I mean, some of the most successful people I see on the Banks White Bass Fishing are using the old Popeye mm -hmm. under, a, under a bobber. Under a bobber. And they're pretty much doing the same thing you're talking about. And, it's just one of those small little round bobbers is what they want to use. Mm -hmm. And then about two feet below it, give or take six inches or a foot, have a little Popeye hair jig, yeah. like a 1 16th is usually mm -hmm. what they're using. I've used the, those Gary Skidmore's for, that were designed for ready or pink, and, and pink, they're a 30 seconds. Pink, and then that slate. Pink, white, or chartreuse are the colors I always see people using. And they'll just throw them out there and just pop that bobber across the surface back in. Yeah. And sometimes they catch the most fish. So yeah. if somebody's wanting to go try the white bass run and they're thinking about, okay, well, I know now I can go to the Dix River above Harrington or Salt River above Taylorsville or Nolan River or, or Cave Run, Licking River above Cave Run, starting to get some ideas for where to go. That is a presentation that could work really well mm -hmm. to pop out under a float. Other baits you could use would be, I like inline spinners, like a rooster tail oh, or a MEPS. And that's probably what I throw the most for white bass is a little MEPS. I, I, I think the MEPS spin better. Yeah, I do too. And I'm I don't think they get as much line twist. Yeah. And then other things you could do would be a curly tail. Uh, I think if you only have one to catch both, a white three-inch curly tail on a lead head, it's just hard to beat because you can fish it all the You can the fish it column. shallow. You can fish it towards the bottom. But that's what all the biggest song I've seen call them, plain old Mr. Twister, white three-inch. Yep, two inches to tail. three inches mm -hmm. for, and I was thinking white bass. I mean, anywhere from two to three inches on probably an eighth to three-eighths jig head. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you could probably go lighter than that and go down to... A 16. 16. But I like the casting distance. Me too. And typically with an eighth, I can keep my rod tip up mm -hmm. and still, you know, have a pretty slow retrieve speed if I want to. And, and you know, I can cast further. So see, that's I, why I like it. See, I like the jig heads with the, like, the, like the roadrunner type heads with the little yeah. blade under it. Yeah. Uh, just to, those too. Because a lot of times you go up there and the water's a little dirty. Yeah. You know, that just gives it a little bit extra. I don't know. That's 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 oh, the, that's the rig I like. Yeah, yeah. So, all those will work. Something all, else. Yeah, I, they all are great. Something else I like, and I only buy white baits. I mean, not only I buy other colors, but I say I'm going out to the salt. I, I'm just going to take white with me, but I will carry a, a can of that spike it. The dip and dive. Or chartreuse spray. It's like the mm -hmm. aerosol that I use, and sometimes if I get out there and the water's a little bit muddier than I anticipated, I'll just spray yeah. it. Yeah, those it. markers that send it too. I need to get some. They dry out quick if you don't mm -hmm. use them a lot. The aerosols are nice. You just got to watch where you spray them because yeah. they, <laughs> they will, get messy. They, I mean, it will stain yeah. a carpet in a boat or something like that. So before you spray that aerosol, that that dip it or spike it or whatever it's called, you need to think about which way the wind's blowing. Well, you I've, know? I've seen several people. Is, is it in the garlic? Those, 
Yeah, have those garlic ones that are that yeah. kick them. <laughs> the you know the little jar you'd open up and dip it that's, down. That's in what it. I that's what I use. I've seen a couple of people punt those at night and stuff, and boy, that's a, that's no fun. But I think that that kind of works kind of like the Roadrunner head with a spinner mm -hmm. on it. You're talking about because it just adds a little bit of extra flash. It adds a little bit of scent. You know, so if I, only have one color. You're right, white. I go with white, and then I carry that that spike it spray, and I have chartreuse if I want it. I have white and chartreuse if I want it. So the only the only, the only grub I got, I put on mine. It's white. white. Yeah, that's the only color I got. And I, day in and, and day, I, I don't matter if it's if it's dirty water, too, I use those clear water. It just all around white just catches them. Oh no. Yeah, and if you look at like, I got a little pegboard in my basement with like baits and lures and stuff all over it, and it's just like white, 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 everything. And then there will be this random fire tiger, you know, thrown up there too. But you got to have a combination. But I pretty much, I don't go fishing anywhere without white or white ice or, you know, a flake mm -hmm, or yeah. something like that. I even like the ones that are clear too, um, clear with a little flake in them. I think those look pretty natural. If I was going to go away from that, I'd probably go to a silver or a gray, mm -hmm. just something natural. Yeah, I read an article one time from one of the professional anglers, you know, I mean, this is back when I was a kid, and uh, he said, all, the only two colors that he had in his box, he had black and he had white. Mm -hmm. And he said, that takes care of all your water conditions. Yep. He said, keep it simple. That's a color I've gotten away from is black. Black, black is pants. a really God, good color. I'll, I'm going to start yeah. throwing black a lot more. Yeah. I've gotten away from it. I only do it at night. Yeah. Only at night. Oh, I've slayed it black. Mm -hmm. all, Real muddy water at night, that's kind of, you know. I've slayed in bloody water. I've thrown black in clear water. Well, I mean, they talk about black and blue being a great clear water bait. Mm -hmm. so, I like, that's my nighttime bait, so. Yeah. Oh, nighttime clear water, though, because, I mean, supposedly what the fish are looking for is a silhouette mm -hmm. at right. night. And so then, yeah, black and purple are the only thing I throw it. You're giving them a better silhouette. But black so. works mm -hmm. deadly. Day like today, I'd, I'd have no problem throwing black. No. Nah, I wouldn't I, do it. That's just me. Thank you. Yeah, I've caught so many. I mean, I've got tremendous yeah. confidence. My advice is just what you said. Fish what you got confidence in. Mm -hmm. It goes a long way. Yeah. Well, growing true. up, I mean, we didn't have this array of colors. You had white, you had black, you had grape. And red. That's pretty yeah. much, you know, and then... I can't keep brown. up with all the colors I got now. I know, me. I will be honest. I am going to be, or I won't, but I was fishing Tequila Sunrise yesterday, which is one of my all-time favorite soft yeah. plastic colors. Yeah, if, I'm, if I'm, if mm I'm, -hmm. you know, Texas rigging or Carolina rigging or something, but, I mean, that's half black. Yeah. You yep. know? I so, love Tequila Sunrise. Tequila Sunrise, uh, the reason it's my favorite is because I caught my first big bass ever on Tequila yeah, Sunrise. I was, I was a little you. kid, yeah. So every time I've gone to the store and, and I'm looking for artificial worms, it's always, oh, there's a seven-inch Berkeley twirl-tailed Tequila Sunrise. And, you Heck know. yeah, they were. Brings back good memories. Well, my yep. granddad had those, they were from this, my first big bass was on, and it was like a tourist rig. It had a spinner, mm -hmm. and it was green worm with white dot spray paint. I mean, it looks like something out of the Smithsonian now. <laughs> and I think that's the first time I ever panicked, like, Granddad, help me, oh, my God. You know, and it was like a 16-inch largemouth. But when I was like eight, I thought that was, you know. World record right the there. World, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I remember my, that big bass I was talking about was 615. And it was caught at Lake Shelby. And uh, wow, yeah, which is there's some big bass in Lake Shelby. Oh, uh, that's you talking about the one over here. And, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, down the road. Yeah, it was actually when they had the lake drain for cleaning. I caught it below the dam right there. Oh, okay. in that pocket of water. And Did uh, you ever throw the old man's jelly worm. You know, oh yeah, I still got some of the jelly worms. And they had the grape. The grape would smell like grape. They yep. had fruit scents. They'd be real oily. Yep, I little still, paddle tail. They're still a great bait. Hey, I still got baggies of them things at the house. They'll still catch fish. Heck yeah, yeah. I, I've got some crazy baits somebody gave me. Guy moved in with his girlfriend, moved to Cincinnati. Had to get rid of a bunch of his fishing stuff, and I went over there and helped him move. So he was just handing me. You took advantage of him. I was <laughs> going to say, well, <laughs> if it came between fishing stuff and a woman, I'd have to go out for a week retreat, whether or not it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to shed all my fish and stuff, I'd be like, Ooh, I'd cry. I couldn't do it. Yeah, it'd be painful. Yeah, I know somebody's <laughs> had to do that before, but, but you know, his loss is my gain. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've, you know, I've got one of my buddies. Uh, he's got two kids now, two young kids, and I think his wife's kind of making him crack down a little bit. And he gave me a a fly rod and a bait caster recently, so I have. Two new rods from buddies, and then my other friend who moved in with the, his girl, uh, he got rid of all kinds of baits. So I mean, I, I might not have to buy baits this year if my buddies keep getting Good deal. keep getting serious. Good deal. I don't need a, to buy any more. I mean, I've got so many, but I'm compulsive. I want more. I well, mean, I was just say it's addicting. I have it's a it's a bad habit. I'm not a bad habit. I'll take that back. Mm -hmm. It's a habit though, because I go to these like swap meets and these sales, and it's like 
I can't. Uh, I can't. I'm like, how can I, I pass it up? Oh my god. I'm like, I have nowhere to. I have no more room, and I'm like, but you know that one's kind of neat. <laughs> I don't have one of those. My wife's like, what is that one glitter different? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> so she's like, well, how come that one's different than that one? So like, it's got, because it is. <laughs> it's got a different set of eyes on it. She's usually pretty good about that because she likes to fish too. So. Yeah. Just tell them you're, you're going to hang the, the other one in a tree at some point, so you need a backup. You know. But good. the worst feeling in the world is to have a hot bite, and you're like, I'm down to three of this particular bait. That's why it works too. That's why that's why you have backups of your backups. Exactly. You get home and you restock. You know that. You've done it. You get out there and you're like, all right, I'm gonna go here. This is gonna be hot bag. And you're like, how many do I got in this bag? And you're like, I better shove a few more down in no, there. Or, I go. Or I'm gonna take the three in this yeah, bag and put them in a brand new bag and then <laughs> head on out. Because you're like, I sure would hate to run out of these while I'm out and there. And some of those really effective lures they have nowadays are salt and, and they're soft. I mean, my God, three bluegill packs and the you know they're yep. wrecked. Softer. Yep. I mean, I went through a particular, two particular styles. I went through a bag in like 15 minutes. That's the one good thing about the the TRDs. Yes, the Eliza Tech oh, materials. Yeah. So they they are soft, but they but are. You can durable. you can fish one all day. You, you can you lose them by breaking them off. Yeah, yeah. you can stretch you can them out. stretch them things a mile. It's it's like the exact opposite of the. Uh, um, Berkeley, it's not the power bait. What's their kind of re like the stuff that's soft and it's in Oh, it's that juice. Gulp Alive stuff? Yeah, the Gulp. Gulp. It's yeah. like the exact opposite of the Gulp. Gulp works great, but you get one fish on it. Cause and it's and it destroys it. Yeah, but the TR TRDs, I mean, you, you they're soft just the same way, but you can catch a million fish. I know. Like you said, the only way you lose them is you, break, you get hung and break off. Yeah, and that's typically what happens if I'm fishing the TRD. That There's only one reason I ever do that. And that's if I'm going for uh, rock bass. So typically I'm stump pitching, you know, putting it right there in that cover. Well, you have a... Uh, that's what I'm saying. I hate it. Yeah, no. He, he has a name for it that's not... <laughs> oh, you, 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 don't, you don't like that technique? I like catching fish, so I use it. Right. But, but, but that's not your preferred method of catching fish. I like stuff that makes sense to me. You know, like uh, that's why I like swim baits. That's why I like uh, crank baits, you know, because it makes sense. Uh, this looks like a fish. They're thinking they're eating a fish. That little thing, I don't know what the heck I'm imitating. Well, I grew up fishing little slider worms that don't have hardly any any action to them. So yeah, I tell you what, there's a lot of days of things that don't do nothing that you do that, nothing. Well, that, I, that's when you'll smack them. Well, it's like it's. I was fishing, uh, fishing, and the guy I was fishing with had it was the the TRD fishing the net rig stuff, and he's catching the snot out of and and I finally figured out what it was. I was sitting there like a shaky head, trying to shake it and give it action. He's, yeah. like, he's like, like, fish it with nothing, said, do nothing. He said, throw it out there and just kind of just let it just sit there and do basically nothing with it. You know what? I started catching the snot up. But it's hard for me to get out there and not fidget. I want to yeah. fidget with stuff I and know. be active. See, I can't really bother fish that well. That's why I'm not a floating fly guy. That's why I, that's why I don't, I don't throw the Popeye, even though you are actively working the bait. Well, the float fly, at least you're popping it and reeling it and popping it. And yeah. I have a lot of confidence in it, so that gets me over. But. My thing is I like to feel. Mm -hmm. So I want to feel the bottom, you know, if I'm, if I'm working. feel the strike, set the hook, yeah. fight the fish. I like to be able to, like, literally almost, you know, I imagine what's going on with my bait. I can almost see it in the water. And if I'm fishing under a float or something, I'm, I just see my bait just sitting there. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of boring, you know. I like, I like working a bait. I like feeling the bottom. I like feeling the bites. And, and I'm not very visual I'd, I'd rather just imagine it you know i agree you guys got anything else you want to go over here because if not i'm going to go get lunch and get ready to go fishing this afternoon yeah well I'm, I'm, we're going to be seeing each other here in a little while yeah we got we got a different appointment after this yes. you guys will be at the floyd's fork, fork. Yeah. anybody in a little area trout fishing opportunity like you've never seen they're going to increase stocking we talked about it on the last podcast from yeah. three thirty six hundred a year to twelve thousand and that stocking is well underway and we're talking about specifically in the creek floyd's mm -hmm. fork creek yes and that's like we said earlier catch and release through the end of this month but starting april 1st you can start keeping those and i will i don't i don't really start fishing the the creek david until catching keep season yeah because i have no interest in catching and releasing those trail i'm catching eat yep and yeah. go to our spring fishing frenzy page there's an article about how to catch them out of parkwoods out of floyd's fork so. cool well, you guys have fun at the park this afternoon. I'm going to go get a big uh, barbecue sandwich real quick, I believe. And then I'm going to be hitting the, the lake or the pond and going fishing for the show this afternoon. So. Cool. Good luck. Hey, I appreciate you guys coming by. No problem.